Hey everyone, welcome again to the latest installment of The Way It Is. I'm your host, Luke Andalfato, with Team Luca First at Remax Service First Realty here in Kingston, Ontario. And I am exceptionally delighted to have with me uh, our guest, Tim Hudak. Um, for those of you that may not know Tim, well, currently he's the CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association. Um, for those of you that may remember, Tim was uh, a member of provincial parliament for quite a long time, for actually from 1995 to two. Uh, to 2016 and actually was the uh, leader of the opposition uh, for the Conservative Party in Ontario from 2009 to 2014. Uh, but now he's busy representing us as agents in the province of Ontario uh, and uh, doing, uh, actually, I, I will say this, and, and certainly not pandering, you're doing a great job at it. So uh, kudos to you for that. Um, yeah, and, and actually, I also have a note here that uh, that my staff prepared for me. You're the chair of the Provincial Tourism Task Force for post-COVID recovery, which is uh, interesting. We'll maybe touch on that towards the, towards sure. the end of the conversation. Um, well, I wanted to have you on, and, and thank you for taking the time. I know your schedule is busy, and we reconnected at the Ontario Real Estate uh, Leadership uh, Conference there a couple of weeks ago. And, um, you know, obviously, having Ontario having gone through what they've gone through, uh, uh, the the pandemic realtors uh, the election that happened um, and but the biggest thing that's coming to light that the general public may not know about is April first twenty twenty three is the final uh, I guess completion and institution or initiation of Tressa um, I'm glad I didn't pick that acronym but it's the Trust in Real Estate Services Act. Um, I guess let's start, and this is, uh, it's its obviously a lengthy document, a, a piece of uh, legislation uh, designed to uh, help better protect the consumer, uh, I think help make the profession of real estate in Ontario that much better as well, and, and the registrants that, that, that participate in it. Let's go back to the beginning. What was the main impetus for this act, Tim? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Well, Luca, first, uh, thanks for having me on. Great to see you again, too. And thanks for very kind words uh, in the uh, in the introduction. It's very nice of you to say. And I love the name, The Way It Is. You just get right to the point. No messing around. The way it is. So that's I'll right. follow that theme and give it to you the way it is. Um, Absolutely. Well, here's a story for you to connect the dots. Where's Tressa come from? Well, back in uh, 2002, the Real Estate Business Brokers Act was passed into law. And fun fact for you. I was actually the cabinet minister who did that. I was the consumer minister in 2002. And Luca, you're looking at me and say, man, you must have been really young in 2002. That's, you know, 21 years ago. Nice to well, I started real estate when I was 16. I don't know if you know that or not. <laughs> um, so that act at the time was uh, seen as, uh, as groundbreaking. It was leading in North America and a lot of other provinces followed it. But, you know, 21 years have passed since then. And here's an example of how out of date it was. It actually had fines that were set in 2002 levels when the average price of a home in the GTA was probably, what, $140,000, right. And so the fines are way out of whack for, you know, the, the nature of the um, uh, offenses and how much housing costs today. So when I was hired uh, at the Ontario Real Estate Association as CEO, as you mentioned, in 2016, at the end of the, that year, one of the main goals they gave me was to modernize that legislation, to bring it up to date, to give RICO greater disciplinary powers, to go after bad actors, to bring in personal real estate corporations that have been a long fight for realtors, and to make sure that you know we raise the bar, again, to be North American leaders in consumer protection and being very demanding of the profession as well. So that's a long answer for you, but that's where it came from. It's sort of full circle for me. I like to joke that they hired me at ARIA. 
to fix Hudak's mistakes from 2002. <laughs> Well, it's it, you know what everybody wants a second chance, so uh, it's a, it's it's a good that you're you're doing well on your uh, on your promise then. So, well, and and you know what, and getting back to it, you touched on something I didn't have it in my notes, but a very important thing, and I was very appreciative of it, and because I'm a part, I'm benefiting from it now. Is this uh, finally uh, realtors being able to incorporate uh, so professional real estate corporations, which I incorporated when when you were able to do so back in the fall Great. of 2020. In October, and I was so throughout my career, and it's sadly, you know, I, I I sound like a broken record always to those that listen. But 35 years in, and I was always so frustrated that solicitors could incorporate, uh, dentists, doctors, uh, uh, insurance people, all the every professional industry except for real estate, and and it was frustrating. So I, I applaud that initiative a hundred percent because it's 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 benefited. I know it's benefited me greatly. That's for sure. And yeah. uh, I could, I'll talk about that for a quick sec. So. Um, and we catch up to today, but the legislation, Tressa, was passed in 2020, uh, actually just when we were having a reality conference in Niagara Falls, and it won unanimous support. So every vote in the House, no matter what party, voted for it. That's great news, right? Good GR work, and it, it was uh, long-needed legislation. And it's really broken, uh, look, into three phases. We're in phase two now. So phase one has already been done. So that brought in personal real estate corporations. You're absolutely right. It was demonstrably unfair that realtors here in Ontario could not have this tool for tax planning uh, that uh, others did. And it helps, you know, reinvest in your business. So I'm happy to say that got done. And now you have 9,999 of your colleagues or uh, over 10,000 uh, personal real estate corporations in the province. And when you see the up and down the market we've gone through the last year, you can appreciate, you know, why this uh, is important. And for those, you know, watching the podcast here, they can, um, they should talk to their lawyer. It's not for everybody, but it does you give a good tool. And it's right up there, the gold standard, right right next to the doctors in the ability to, you know, uh, income split with your family. You can have other businesses in there. So it's a good tool. The other part of that uh, phase one uh, was bringing in uh, terms that the average person in the public uses for a realtor. So in the past, you can only use salesperson. I like to say a salesperson sold me the suit, you know, a realtor. <laughs> sold me my house. It's a different yes. job altogether. So now you can use the term realtor, real estate agent, uh, those who pass in law uh, in your advertisements to you or your business card, website, what have you. A tool that reflects how average people think about us is much more than simply being a salesperson. Yes, which is good because, you know, uh, through through the course of real estate history, um, the perception and, and uh, of realtors was never high, at least the public perception, right? I mean, I think at one time we were, and this isn't to slag car people, but it, we were just above used car salesmen has, is sort of how the opinion went, um, which, you know, uh, I guess had some derogatory connotations on its own. So uh, certainly anything that can help the, to, I guess, impress upon the public the profession that we're in and that it is a profession. Exactly. So and, and don't feel bad. I, you know, I used to be a politician and a border inspector one time in my life too. So <laughs> those, those ranks, I think, below the car salesman side. Yeah. So those are helpful tools. And now we're in uh, phase two, as you mentioned, Luca comes in effect on, uh, on April 1st and has, I'm glad to talk in more detail about these, but basically it's going to give a greater disciplinary powers uh, to Rico to go after bad actors. Uh, it is going to modernize our code of ethics. There's going to be a new open offer system uh, as well that will uh, take place uh, in uh, in this area. So there's lots happening as of April 1st, and Ari will be out there leading the way in helping agents understand how this legislation has been improved and modernized. 
and 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 that's certainly the the one I have highlighted to you know if we can flesh that out a bit more this open offer uh, component that's in the legislation and, uh, and you know for the those that are listening in the general public uh, at large uh, because this became obviously a hot topic button during the pandemic with the, uh, the the crazy prices and the bidding wars that were happening um, and so this though is at the seller's discretion or the seller's choice correct whether they want to participate in this process or not yeah absolutely that's where it starts look good it starts with the uh, the homeowner i mean they own the home it's it's their biggest investment so they should decide what path they go along we brought this forward to the government back in i think about 2017 or 2018 uh well before uh it was headline uh, news around um uh, open bidding versus you know uh, some politicians have promised to eliminate uh, the traditional yep. offer process so luckily we had done our homework and we said look it's a home that somebody owns. It's They're going to depend on that for dignity and retirement or move up to a larger home with the kids coming along. They should be in the driver's seat. They can do the traditional offer process with the realtor, which we encourage them, or this gives a realtor another tool if they want to do an open offer. So the seller would decide what path to go down to with the advice of their realtor. And if they do the open offer, then there would be agreement from, from the uh, anybody making an offer that their information would also be on the table. So you have to opt in in both directions and working with your realtor, you can determine, are you sharing you know, more than just the price? You're gonna share closing data, you're gonna share any kind of conditions on the property. That will be the process that the realtor will work out uh, with their uh, seller. Right. Well, and a previous podcast some time ago, uh... His name's not coming to mind, top of mind right now, but it was the principle of uh, that open platform that started in Australia, that uh, the Canadian Real Estate Association is actually going to start having some pilot project or pilot uh, boards, I guess, or sort of taking part in that. I, I don't know if that's actually started yet or not. Do you know, are you aware? I don't think yet. They're waiting for this legislation to come into effect, at least in Ontario. You're absolutely right, though. Open, which comes from Australia. This is a common practice in Australia, New Zealand. I do believe, though, Luke, it's a first in, in North America and for sure uh, in Canada. And what I like about it is instead of forcing a one-size-fits-all solution, it gives the choice to the seller and buyers in consultation with their well-trained professional realtor on what's going to make the most sense for their family's future. Right. Now, there was some comments about this this uh, open bidding that, it, it, you know, uh, it's not going to do maybe what the intention was for it in terms of you know stopping these uh this housing crisis quote unquote because of this sort of escalating prices and everything like that uh it's certainly not going to make houses more affordable can you offer any comments on that or is you know you've had some pushback on that or yeah they're really separate issues i know sometimes uh people that think through this on a simplistic level might might equate the two but look they're really two separate issues this this is about choice for buyers and sellers and more transparency in the offer process because say there are four people making offers on a home, they'd see what the others you know have offered. So it gives some faith and transparency. Um, but when it comes to, to housing prices, it, this is a, a supply issue. We have not built enough homes these last 20 years. We, we built more homes in the 1970s for goodness sakes than we did in the last 20 years, right? That's crazy. So you've got more people circling fewer and fewer homes. That's what's driving up prices not the offer process. And if we want to solve that issue, well, there's good offer, good ideas on the table right now of how to build 1.5 million new homes in the next 10 years to play catch up and make sure we have that next generation of Canadian homeowners. 
Well, and and I'm you know uh, I'm going to get on my political soapbox for a minute just because I I, I get frustrated. <laughs> I like to rant every now and again, but you know that's what was bothering me so much with this latest Bank of Canada interest rate hikes because uh, they've actually created all these now further unintended consequences, which is even more. Uh, uh, gap between the haves and the have-nots, more housing uh, or sort of less supply. Uh, there's still demand. They've increased in Ontario. Well, in Kingston, I think we're number two to Peterborough as our vacancy rate, which is like 1.2%, second lowest in the province. And our rental rates are, are going through the roof. That's all, a fa- that's all a direct function and directly correlated to the interest rate hikes. So they, they actually thought and they still haven't solved the food crisis or the food uh, uh, inflation problem and the energy anyway that's my little rant because you're right there's so much more to the housing crisis and and then i'll segue right into this question which is you know it's sort of the big fifty thousand foot uh, you know view what is the biggest factor affecting realtors in ontario right now in your in your personal opinion uh, there, there are two. Number one is is lack of lack of supply, lack lack of inventory, and you know we can talk about it more. You you walk through the the impact of interest rates going up is like a bulldozer, right? That's a policy instrument that can have severe consequences. The goal is to fix inflation, which is which is worse. Neither good options, um, but we will come out of it. And I, I am confident that there's so much underlying demand for housing that once interest rates stabilize, I think we will see a resurgence uh, in demand and activity. Um, so the affordability crisis would be number one on my list. And Luca, you said it very well. A lot of media commentators or politicians will say, oh, prices are coming down, you know, issue solved. Quite the opposite. The affordability crisis is deeper. There's fewer homes on the market. And with mortgage costs and carrying costs, it's more expensive. Absolutely. So number one issue, I think, for realtors is an affordability crisis. Nothing makes a realtor happier than handing over the keys to a first-time buyer of that home. That's a big focus for us at Aria, and I own the minds of uh, of members out there. Great. Um, I'm going to circle back to uh, RICO for and the acronym Real Estate Council of Ontario. This is the uh, the consumer watchdog for realtors uh, in the province. Uh, I, I can't even remember when when it, it came into being. Uh, it's been around for, for a long time now, though. I want to say at least 20 years, if I'm not mistaken. But does it have? I mean, with these new changes, with this new act, uh, you know, obviously it's important to weed out the bad actors, to penalize them, to remove them from the system if we, if we can. But does RICO have the, I mean, we're in a world where it's tough to find filled jobs and, and find pe- quality people to do quality jobs. Does it have the teeth? It may have the teeth. Does it have the infrastructure to, to fulfill these, these new p- policy things? Yeah, well, it's getting a lot more tools that are going to be important. Um, and, you know, hopefully staff or more staff coming on board to tackle the problem. So let me let me explain a bit there. I mentioned the number one issue, I think, in the minds of realtors is the affordability crisis, making sure we can create that that next group of Canadian homeowners. And number two, uh, look, I'd say is professionalism, making sure that that realtor at your side or you work across the table in a transaction with is the highest trained professional in North America. And sadly, we've seen uh, stories uh, where uh, realtors have taken advantage of consumers, uh, which is um, a disservice to the hardworking realtors like yourself, Luca. Nothing makes a realtor angrier when they see somebody ripping somebody off. So at Aria, we went to the government, we said, we've got to give RICO more tools, more teeth, as you said. So number one, a greater ability to suspend 
or revoke altogether licenses and deny them at the beginning. That's very important to do to get anybody who breaks the trust of a buyer or seller out of the profession altogether. We've raised the bar when it comes to fines to modern prices as opposed to 2002 home prices. Um, also, there's going to be more decisions by the RICO Discipline Committee itself, which is important because I believe that leading respected realtors sitting on the Discipline Committee are going to be a lot harder on people who break the rules than my mom would be. You know, yeah. an average citizen, right? Right now, it's in the hands too often of a licensed appeal tribunal. They're non-realtors. I think realtors will be tougher. And my fourth point on this, uh, and I can go go longer, but I'll stop at my fourth point. It also gives uh, RICO the ability to get more data to actually study and analyze where the problems are in the system and put more resources there. Quick story for you on the Alcohol and Gaming Commission did this. And they used to inspect everybody equally all the time. And they said, is that the best way or should we target our resources where the problems are? They did the data analysis and found out what types of bars, what hours and the infractions. And if you got a clean record, a mom and pop you know, shop that closes at six, maybe they inspect every two or three years. But if you're a bad actor, they inspect you until you either clean up your act or they lock you down altogether. Right. That's part yeah. of a recall you'll do. Yeah, no, that's and I I am one of those realtors that get frustrated when you hear the stories and 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 you know I wish everyone well in this industry. I really do, but you know with the with the pandemic, uh, I mean across the board we saw uh, an ins, um, an uptick in the number of registrants that joined the real estate profession. I dare say for potentially all the wrong reasons, you know, because obviously they heard the stories of how much money some of their colleagues or, or friends or who, you know, relatives were making, who knows why. Um, what about an education piece? I mean, I know we have our, our, you know, every two years we have our updating courses that we take. And is there anything that you on the horizon or anything in your mind that you see that needs to be buoyed on that front? Yeah, I, the, the philosophy that we've taken at ARIA is that it's, it's too easy to get in and too hard to kick somebody out when they break the rules. So we fought for it and achieved with the government and with RICO, you know, greater ability to get those bad actors out of the, of the system as I just walked through. But but to get in, yeah, we're over 95,000 members um, today. I think you're right. People, you know, watch HGTV and they say, hey, I can sell a house <laughs> in one hour. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. We wish everybody that's a member um, success. But we, we do believe it has to be more demanding. And, you know, because real estate is increasingly complex, it's more and more legalistic and higher value. So we should raise the bar there. You mentioned the continuing education. You know, uh, too often that is, that is, um, uh, it is, it is beneath, I think, um, the, the profession when all you have to do is click, you know, every few minutes, click. There's, there's no test, uh, there's no did pass fail. You know, we actually believe that there should be much harder there in renewal. And if you fail, then you take a course, whatever, right? You're not out right away right. like that. But yeah, yeah. Just, just simply, you know, clicking and, and watching the hockey game in the background, that ain't right for the profession. No, I, I 100% agree. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged to, to, to hear that. That's for sure. Um, well, I, I, look, we're already. I know uh, you're, you're on a tight schedule, and we're already gone through. There's, um, there's an article that came across uh, that I came across, and I know you uh, commented on it on behalf of uh, Aurea, uh, CMHC, uh, about um, uh, helping with funding for um, what was it? Uh, some kind Generation of report. Piece. Sorry, generation squeeze. Yes, yes. Yeah. Or no? Or was it about the it was uh, 
CMHC funding a report on uh, tax, the tax for equity in people's homes. Sorry. Yes, yes. yes. Was, like, is that the same thing? Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, that, it's, it's the yeah. same thing. That was outrageous. CMHC has an incredibly important job and a proud history, right? They were created to help soldiers returning from World War II to get into housing. You know, their goal is to keep good data and make sure housing affordability stays within reach as well as, as rentals. It's an important mission. But look at how they got sidetracked in giving public dollars to this group called Generation Squeeze that, quite frankly, is anti-home ownership. They want to make it more expensive to own a home and discourage people from owning homes. Like, this is outrageous. This, this is putting a dagger in the heart of the Canadian dream. And yeah. then CMHC money to, to do this and then call for a, a new equity tax on your home's value. Holy crow, right? That's a betrayal of the greatest source of savings for middle-class Canadians. Right. It will mean less inventory because people aren't going to sell their homes. They're going to get a whopping tax on top of it. It was a crazy idea. And we came down hard in CMHC and said, stick to your knitting. You've got an important job to do. Stay <laughs> out of that radical politics. Yeah. No, and I, that's, it's, that's, I, when I saw that article, I, I, there was a local counselor here who remained nameless. I just heard this on the news clip. I'm an Ontario morning junkie. And uh, they had them on and uh, they want to, uh, at, at the council meeting, they, they wanted to implement a tax on houses that were sitting empty, like no different than they had done in BC. And I'm going like, man, when, when are your, when are you, your rights as a homeowner, you own your home. Isn't that give you the authority to do whatever you like with it, whether it's painted blue or polka dots, or I mean, a barring, barring obviously, co you know, zoning and bylaws and things like that. I get that. But if you want to live in it one day a year or no, I don't know. It just, I find stuff like that. It, it flies in the face of, you know, our, 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 what we're here in this democracy for, right? I mean. Absolutely. And our homes are already taxed a lot. They're taxed when they're built. You pay a land transfer tax to the province or in Toronto, a double land transfer tax when you buy a home. And then at the end of the day, what other product do you have, Luca? You look around your, your house, your business, where you pay taxes annually on it, right? Our property tax. Yeah. Homes are taxed enough as it is. Uh, in this notion of imposing a new tax, whatever the nature. Uh, I really wish our, our public leaders would instead focus on how we address housing supply. How can we speed up the number of homes being built? How can we cut the red tape that can delay a project seven to 10 years when it comes to a subdivision? In New York region, there's $122,000 in taxes and fees before you put your first shovel in the ground, for goodness sakes. Mm -hmm. To the credit, I think Premier Ford uh, and uh, the government of Ontario have done a very good job of going in the right direction in terms of looking at housing supply. We had more homes built in 2021 than we had in, I think, 20 years previous. And I'm sorry about what's happened with Mayor Tory because he has some very good plans for Toronto. We need, we need more of that focused on the real problem, getting homes built people can afford. Yeah. No. And I, you know what? I, I think we'll leave it there because that's that's a great point to, to leave it on. Because I was going to ask how the government has been, uh, you know, because obviously, uh, you know, we have a political action committee at the local level and obviously Aurea has one at the provincial level. Um, I, I'm assuming you have some uh, relationship with the premier for, in past lives, obviously, in your past life and everything. So have you found that, you know, your uh, counterparts in the government are, are listening and, and paying attention? Yeah. Yeah, it's been, been very, very good. There's been um, four different pieces of legislation that the Ford government has has passed on the housing supply side, plus Tressa. Uh, the most recent one was probably the most pro-homeownership and pro-rental legislation that we've seen in, in our lifetimes. So hats off to them. They had me sit on their housing affordability task force that came up with a number of ideas that they're now implementing. So we're pleased with that. You know, we're, we're fortunate. Um, I, I, I joke a bit that... Um, 
uh, the politics a bit like pro wrestling. You can, you know, yell into the camera at each other and stuff like that, and then go have a beer <laughs> afterward. It's been nice after I left politics, you know, whether it's the liberals or Democrats, conservatives or Green Party have all been very open and receptive to our ideas. And in the last election, they all had some ARIA pro homeownership ideas in their election platforms. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Tim, listen, I'm going to leave you there because I know you got to get on the road uh, and go to your next uh, your next meeting. So I want to thank you again for taking the time. It was a real pleasure. And I'm sure I'll see you again at the next conference, whenever that is or, <laughs> or whatnot. So. Well, my, my pleasure, Luca. Great to see you again. Thanks for having me on. And, and hopefully I told it the way it is. You certainly did. I appreciate that. All right. Thanks. Have <laughs> a great day, Tim. Time.